Let's bring in Bob Iacchino, the founder of the Chief Strategy, the Path Trading Partners. He's joining us this morning to talk financial markets. Bob, welcome. I'm not sure if you heard my uh, discussion with Michael before the break, but he was talking about a slew of uh, Fed speakers here today. He mentioned, I guess, uh, really only one that counts, though. Yeah, it's been uh, we had a big start to the week with Fed speakers, and I did hear Michael talking, I think, his point um, about them sort of adjusting where we look at rates after this particular Fed meeting, because if you look at Jerome Powell, he couldn't have been more hawkish again. He didn't rule out 75 at the next meeting. He, he's still along that sort of 50-50-50 line for the next few meetings. And it's interesting to me because what it seems to me that's happening, when you look at the mix of U.S. data, you're seeing slowing everywhere except jobs, literally everywhere except jobs. And when you hear the talk about a recession, the old definition of a recession used to be two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Mm -hmm. Last quarter was negative. Right now, Atlanta Fed's GDP now in their last estimate on June 16th has the U.S. economy growing at 0.0. That's the Atlanta Fed. So if you go by the old definition, we could theoretically be in a recession right now. We won't know until the next GDP level comes out. But if you go by the National Bureau of Economic Research, which is the institute that is charged with actually classifying recessions as recessions or not, they use employment as one of their key metrics. And we're still below four on the unemployment rate. And that's not going to change rapidly. Jobs is actually a bit of a laggy indicator. You look at the JOLTS numbers and there's jobs available. It's a matter of the labor force participation. Do people actually want to take those jobs or do they not at the level that those uh, jobs are being offered referencing wages? Uh, wages are not keeping pace with inflation. And if you look at the last couple of sets of numbers, it's not likely that they're going to keep pace with inflation because they've slowed their growth. They're still growing, but not the way they were uh, a couple of months ago. So it's there's a lot of data points going into this particular conversation, and we're seeing yields drop in the early morning and then rally into the close. I think that's a super interesting conversation piece. Every day I mark the yields right around now. So today I mark the yields prior to our discussion. And then I mark them later in the day. And over the last few days, they've been negative in the morning and then positive at night. It happened yesterday. Um, Right now, we're looking at yields across the curve. As you go out further, the 10 years down 11 basis points from yesterday's settlement, the 30-year down 10, the five-year down 10, the two-year down nine. Yesterday, they were down around five or six, and then they finished the day higher than the previous day. I think that's really one of the key points to look at when you look over the currency horizon and when you look over what's happening with risk assets. You know, I wanted to uh, just pull up a look here. I've got the TNX on the left. I've got the 30. I'm sorry, the TYX on the left, the 30. I've got the TNX on the right. And, you know, Bob, I completely agree with you. And I like where you're headed with that one in terms of focusing on employment. And I just want to further that discussion a little bit because it reminds me of uh, back when we were talking about uh, before the Fed had actually started to raise rates uh, as they were providing that transparency, that projection and, uh, you know, uh, that forecast that they were going to. Uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell was pretty clear. He said that he thought that employment could withstand a couple rate hikes, but that was with the expectation for a quarter basis point rate hike. I mean, we've seen quite the shift here now. We're talking about 75-75. I guess I'm wondering, will employers be able to manage that? And again, that seems like uh, one of the first things to kind of uh, give way here, ultimately, in addition to some of the inflationary pressures. I mean, with rates on the rise, it's going to make it difficult for employers to continue to, uh, you know, ultimately, we could see employment increase as a result. 
Well, if you just follow the dominoes, Ben, you think about it from this perspective, what is going to make people take jobs at lower wages? Because as rates go up and as things like housing and manufacturing slow, what are the employers going to do and what are the employees willing to accept? It's easy, or I should say easier, to not take a lower wage job when your cryptos are doing well. Uh, when your stock investments are doing well, when you're able to buy just anything. And you and I experienced this uh, in the 2000s, the late 90s, 2000s, um, where you saw people were able to just buy any stock and it would go up and they could sell that stock and they've made money for the month. Similar things were happening with crypto and to a certain degree, the stock market as well over the last, say, 24 months. Um, that's not necessarily the case anymore. So you, do you take an $11.25 an hour job when you can buy Dogecoin and then sell it higher and pay your bills with that, or when you can buy stocks and sell them higher and pay your bills with that, do you take that job? Do you take that role? Well, now the job market theoretically is going to shrink. Some of those jolts jobs, that's really going to be the key number for me going forward over, say, the next six months, that as the Fed is tightening rates, are those jolts numbers coming back into line with where the unemployment rate is? Because right now it's out of whack. We've got a below 3.6% uh, unemployment rate, but yeah, we've got jolts jobs openings at over 11 million. You know, we do these webinars on Path Trading Partners every single day in the afternoon. Actually, we do them several times a day, but I only do the afternoon ones. And we had one of our clients actually say to us, I own a manufacturing company. And when I drive through my manufacturing, um, my industrial park, it was, I see four, five, six help wanted signs, manufacturing jobs in the United States, decent paying jobs, and they can't find employees. You know, How do we call this a recession? I was thinking about construction jobs, Bob. It seems like in the past when we've seen recessions, it's always my buddy or my cousin, he works construction, he's out of, job, out of work right now. I mean, when you look around, it seems like construction and uh, again, some of these contractors have been, well, hard to find for once, forget about quality, uh, but just get a, to get a guy in is tough already. I'm kind of looking at that area right now to sort of see if things shift there because we'd seen a major uh, shift, uh, you know, through the home improvements and, and some of those uh, uh, changes throughout the pandemic. I mean, that'll be a key area to watch as well. Well, definitely. I mean, again, one of our clients is also owns a uh, remodeling business. Mm -hmm. And he says he's booked six months out. Right. He just can't get enough employees right. to do the job. So six months from now, is he still booked six months right. out? Are people starting to knock on his door and say, hey, you, you asked me if I wanted to work three months ago. I'm ready to work now. And then he says, I don't have the jobs anymore. That's the interesting juxtaposition to what's going on now with the Fed versus what's gonna happen three to six months from now. And we've talked ad nauseum, several analysts, including myself, have said the Fed is behind the curve and they should have been tightening in May when the mm -hmm. economy was strong. Well, theoretically, the economy's still strong, but is it on a downward move from all-time strength or, or really, really good strength? Or is it still strong enough to withstand that? I, I kind of think I disagree with Jerome Powell because I simply can't figure out what's keeping people out of these jobs that are available. Either the numbers are wrong or the wages are wrong versus what people are able to make in other areas. It's certainly not unemployment benefits ever anymore, as most people have exhausted those benefits. So I think it might have been assets. And that may be one of the things that's causing sell-offs and things like crypto to be exacerbated because people are needing money to pay their bills and they're not willing to accept jobs at the level of payment that those jobs are offering. You know, we're going to see this in the currency markets more than anywhere.
Well, I guess that's what my next question was. What does this mean for the U.S. dollar here ultimately? Because uh, rates on the rise here still in the U.S. Uh, last week, we saw new highs. Again, the TYX up to 3.47. We saw the TNX up to 3 spot 48. Uh, but the dollar seems to have eased that trajectory to the upside. It had been tracking very closely, but with that shift from the ECB, they're talking about now kind of getting on board and turning the corner, I think was Lagarde's uh, exact words ultimately. I mean, uh, that sort of seemed to slow some of the momentum in the dollar, uh, at the very least some. The yen, on the other hand, again, a good re representation of that uh, disparity we've seen between uh, the FOMC and the BOJ, central banks in Asia, for example, in general. I mean, talk to us a little bit about what you're watching as far as the U.S. dollar. Is it going to remain uh, as strong as it has been if rates ultimately, uh, you know, do come off? So kind of a two-part question there, right? We had uh, U.K. inflation come out at 9.1 percent a year over year, as expected. But they had the same problem that the U.S. had in their last CPI reading, the month over month was higher than expected. In order for CPI to decline on a year over year basis, you have to have an average month over month of about 0.25%. The U.S. had 1.0, um, the U.K. had 0.6, so we're nowhere near there. So that means central banks need to stay vigilant if it is true that inflation is their main concern. So what does that mean for the dollar? Well, first of all, it means the dollar versus, for example, the pound is likely to not have as much momentum to the upside. What is the ECB going to actually do at their next meeting? They said they're going to raise rates. They said they're going to stop reinvesting the PEP. Are they actually going to do that? What does their inflation look like going forward? And then the last part of that is the yen. You know, it's interesting. I look at the JGB chart every single morning, which is not my typical thing. I've not done that over the years. But the G JGB has a peg, zero to 25 basis points. The Bank of Japan reinforced that peg at their last meeting. A lot of people thought they were going to go ahead and give that peg up. They did not. But if you look at a JGG JGB chart intraday, a 10-year JGB, it shoots up way past that peg. It's been doing it the last few days. And then as we come into the close, it goes back down to about 22 and a half, 23 basis points. Um, that's JGB doing operations after the market has decided that you can't be at 25 basis points. This is a battle we've seen for years with the Bank of Japan and the markets. And it used to be currency intervention. And that always failed. If the market wanted the yen to go in a direction, the Bank of Japan could intervene all they wanted. And while they were intervening, it went in their direction. And then when they stopped, it went in the market's direction. That's happening with the JGB right now. And it seems to me that there's a level of weakness in the yen that we're going to need to see for the Bank of Japan to give up that peg. And I think it's probably somewhere around 140 in the cash. We're not seeing that yet. So yen weak weakness is likely a, de a decided factor already. The risk, though, is way to the upside. The risk is that the Bank of Japan all of a sudden says, we're giving up that peg in the middle of the day. Hmm. And then the yen just rallies hard and just really crushes people that are short the yen at the wrong levels. So it's a very interesting dynamic going on in the yen. The dollar is just whose central bank is more serious. Bob, how likely do you think that is to happen? I think it has to happen, but that doesn't mean it's likely to happen anytime soon. That's the weird thing in dealing with the Bank of Japan, is you would have thought they would, would have given up monetary policy easing 25 years ago, and they didn't. So 
you know, it's 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 a difficult thing to handicap, which is why I'm not involved in the end right now or the JGB, because I can't if I can't quantify the risk, I can't trade it. Mm, noted. Another new multi-decade low in the yen here in the overnight session here again down to this uh, uh, well below 7,400, 73.58 here for the futures. Um, Bob, uh, in terms of uh, Bitcoin, you were talking about, uh, again, some of the uh, Price pressures we've seen there, the uh, indication here uh, of you know what we've been talking about as far as economic conditions here. I mean, do you see further declines there? A volatile session this weekend, and uh, still no rejection of these lower levels. I always look for acceptance or rejection. And when you're talking about the move off the highs, the all-time highs from 69,000, there hasn't really been any yet. Yeah, Bitcoin's really interesting. You know, we keep looking for capitulation, and I don't even think we've seen it in Bitcoin yeah. yet. And, one of the factors, I heard somebody else mention this, and I wish I could give him or her credit, but I can't remember who said it, that when you're looking for capitulation, that means it's not capitulation yet, because hmm. that means you're looking to buy in or buy a dip. Uh, capitulation is when nobody wants to buy it anymore, and I don't think we're at that state. I mean, look at Elon Musk. We're not at that state with cryptos yet. The thing about Bitcoin that's interesting is we have a relationship with a company that also uh, is involved in the crypto space, and, and I'm privy to their customer service emails, and they're getting bad. Hmm. They're getting really panicky. Uh, one specific one I remember reading said, I was up 2 million, now I'm down 2 million, what should I do? And that's um, when you start to worry about people as opposed to what's happening in markets. So I suspect there's more downside in Bitcoin to come, but I'm not one of the people that believes it's going to zero. I I'm waiting for that really ridiculous move and then the settlement, and then I'm gonna buy in for the long term personally. Well, you know, credit to you, Bob. I think it was, uh, I don't remember the exact level, but months ago you called on this show that you had flattened up your Bitcoin position, you were no longer holding, and um, I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of investors going from that plus two million to uh, down two million, and we heard about that actually from Christine Lagarde. She mentioned that, she said that basically, the idea here is that people are uh, getting into these products thinking that they're gonna be able to sell them at higher levels without taking into consideration the risks of downside potential here. And so we're starting to see that play out here. It'll be interesting to see as uh, mentioned here if some of these margin calls add to some of the momentum to the downside here. But again, at 20,000, uh, currently down around 3% here as we speak, there's zero rejection of this move off the all-time highs. Bob, always a pleasure. Thanks it's for joining us really here. Quick, and I just, I wanted to compliment you because you're one of the people always talking about risk. And I think you do a huge huge value to the people that watch you by doing that. Appreciate it, Bob. We'll continue to do so. And uh, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Bob Iaccino, the founder of Chief Strategy, the Path Trading Partners. And it's a good look at the fundamentals, some of the levels to keep an eye on here as we head into the cash open in terms of some of these top traded products that we like to discuss here on the future show.